Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Canadian RegTech Association's podcast. This episode is part of the Founders Series, where we'll invite the founders of some of the most innovative high-growth companies operating in the RegTech space and hear about their visions and some of the opportunities and challenges they've faced on their journey to grow their business. My name is Myra Milliardaire, and I'll be your host today. By way of background, I'm a corporate lawyer at Miller Thompson and have significant experience supporting companies operating in the technology sector. I advise on domestic and international mergers and acquisitions, private equity, venture capital funds, and complex technology transactions. I also advise emerging companies through every stage of their life cycle. For those of you who don't know, the Canadian RegTech Association, we are a not-for-profit organization focused on solving regulatory challenges through collaborative efforts between key reg tech stakeholders, regulated entities, technology vendors, and regulatory bodies. So joining us today is Mark Rowan. Mark, welcome. Thank you, Byron. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. I'll give you a bit of an overview of, of who Mark is and, and the company he's with. Mark is the co-founder and CEO of Data Sentinel. Over the, the last 20 years, Mark uh, has built and managed a number of businesses that help customers implement solutions in the data management, data governance, and data privacy space. Starting out in data management and governance, consulting businesses with IBM, to most recently bringing Data Sentinel to market, a focused technology that helps business automate pr data privacy compliance. So Data Sentinel is a data trust and compliance platform that helps businesses persistently manage their data privacy, compliance, governance, and quality in real time. Data Sentinel's proprietary deep learning discovery technology illuminates the true nature of organizations' data across sources and systems, monitoring and measuring the data to ensure compliance with company policies and evolving regulations. So Mark, it sounds like there's a, a lot going on at Data Sentinel as well. And I, I know it's, uh, you've experienced a lot of growth over the, the past uh, few years, but maybe it would be helpful. Uh, I know I've given a bit of a brief overview, but briefly tell us a bit about your company and, and the products and services offered. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself, actually. I think you covered it quite well. Um, <laughs> That's great. But the, yeah, the, the, the idea behind Data Sentinel is to fill a gap that we saw in the market space um, that evolved from the years of doing consulting in this particular market, um, especially as it related to areas of data governance and data privacy, and really focus in over the last five years as that market has changed considerably. And it was the, the realization that um, the with the, the um, a level of data acquisition and retention uh, around the world within enterprise, combined with the advent of data privacy regulations that were evolving, in, in particular in Europe and the North American marketplace, we saw a bit of a sweet spot. Um, and really what we're attempting to do is automate the idea of um, companies managing those data assets that would be deemed to be sensitive within their organizations so that they could develop what we're considering to be trust in their data, the processes that they're following, and then ultimately the outcomes that that data helps them produce as an organization. So that was the objective and we're well on our way to achieving that goal. 
That's great. No, thank you for the uh, thank you for the uh, the overview there. Um, so I always like to hear how companies started their journey, um, and, uh, and and this is no different. So I, I would like to know really what inspired you to start Data Sentinel, and uh, what issues were you trying to solve in doing so? Yeah, thank you. Uh, it, it was spawned out of consulting. So it was spawned out of working with companies throughout North America in particular, um, mostly in the financial services space, in dealing with the types of challenges they have with or had at that particular point in time with their data and governing it um, and ensuring that they were compliant with the various different regulations that they had uh, responsibility to align to. Um, and realizing that a lot of the technology that was in the marketplace at that particular point in time needed to be either tremendously customized or integrated or um, in other ways modified to be able to meet the needs of those particular customers. So we, we myself and my co-founding partner, Kevin Downey, who's our CTO, got the, the bright idea that we, we think we could address the problem with a new technology. Um, now, of course, all of that is easier said than done. You go from idea to realization is, a, is quite a journey. And then over um, a couple of years, we got to the point where we at least had a foundation for what we thought would be the appropriate answer to uh, resolve those types of challenges. Um, and the idea of Data Sentinel was born. But of course, that's just the concept. Um, getting that concept to the point of reality is a completely different story. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. It's it's one of those things. You have a brilliant idea that that seems to to work well on paper, but then how do you implement? So uh, uh, you've got to start somewhere, and it sounded like you started from a, a great space too, as well. So um, I know you touched on this briefly in uh, in your your last comment here, but I'm curious about what challenges and really barriers did you face when starting the business and. Uh, what methods did you and uh, uh, tools did you use to overcome these? Yeah, there's a number of different areas that we can address there. So the the first being that we are the the founding team, myself and Kevin and a few other leaders within Data Sentinel came out of the consulting space originally. Um, and there's a a big difference between the consulting world and the product development world. So the the first goal was to align ourselves with other co-founders that we could bring into the organization to bring the skills related to product development to our team. So you can imagine um, we had a lot of experience and knowledge of the problem set that we were looking to, to resolve, but had never built a software technology before, not brought it to market. It's a different sales strategy. It's a different, obviously the evolution of the technology itself is significantly different than building a consulting organization. So the, the idea of bringing in that expertise was the initial challenge that we had was finding that right partner. Um, and we were very fortunate to um, have a uh, happenstance meeting with um, one of the leaders from an organization called Delbridge Capital and uh, Partners. And they've got a lot of experience in developing software technologies, bringing them to market, uh, putting together the, the sales strategies, go to market strategies related to that. And um, we went into business um, with, with the leadership of that organization um, and that bootstrapped the initial funding as well that was necessary to take the idea of Data Sentinel um, and 
create the, uh, the development strategy for the product itself over that initial, let's call it nine to 12 months of time to get from the point where it was an idea to a proven out core technology. So the, the skills and the funding necessary to do that was brought to the table by our partner, uh, Delbridge Capital Partners. That's great. And how did you, um, I guess there was a, a bit of happenstance too as well, but how did you foster that initial uh, relationship with, uh, with the uh, Delbridge there? It was interesting. It was, it was like an initial pitch meeting. Um, so you can imagine sitting around a boardroom with an idea and some PowerPoints and um, <laughs> talking about the market idea, talking about the demand that we saw coming down the pipeline for the types of technologies that we wanted to develop, um, looking at businesses within the North American market and the, the level of maturity that we saw within those organizations related to what we were doing from a governance and privacy perspective. So looking at the existing technology portfolios that had been implemented into these organizations. And then of course, reading all of the uh, the third party um, forecasting that was being put together by the usual types of consultancies out there in the marketplace to suggest that data privacy was something worthwhile investing in. And basically we, uh, we roundtabled that kind of pitch meeting. And after uh, a series of weeks of, of ongoing dialogue, we decided that we would set up a company in partnership with, um, with the folks over at Dalbridge and form Data Sentinel as, a, as an independent entity um, and, and brought all the skills together from those two organizations. So it was, it was um, you know, truly a, a process of educating everybody on what we thought the market opportunity might be and, and then putting together the structure to ensure that we had the ability to get through it. And then of course, COVID hit, which presented a whole <laughs> new level of challenge to the process. Yeah, no, I can imagine. I can imagine. It's. Uh, I think it's when you have a good idea, though, in a in a hot industry. I think there's a lot of uptick, which um, I think uh, Delbridge recognized that and, and really helped leverage their their financial, but also skills to help grow the business in those initial stages. So that makes perfect sense to me. Um, I know you've mentioned already that Delbridge helped finance the 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 enterprise in those initial stages. Um, thereafter, I'm, I'm curious how you, you secured funding uh, uh, going forward that you may have required or you self-funded uh, moving past the, we'll call it MVP uh, commercialization stages and, and into, into now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that in itself was also a pretty intense process. So, and, and there was a series of steps associated with getting to that stage, the benchmarks that we had put in place internally in the organization before we ventured down that path. Um, the first of which was having the core technology built out and proven within a series of, of client environments. Um, and even that was in two phases. The first phase being, let's call them friendly customers that we could pilot the technology with and prove things out and do a little bit of benchmarking around what the core technology and its capabilities would bring to the market. Um, and then evolve from there as we enhance the capabilities of the technology to get to our first billing customers which was the, the second um, phase associated with that benchmark. 
once we got through that process and had our first series of, of clients in hand, we felt confident that we could go out to the marketplace with a, a strong value proposition that was um, aligned with um, a proven delivery capability with specific customers. So it kind of proves the market opportunity to a certain degree. We had the voice of the customer supporting us in, in our drive to uh, bring in the next round of funding. Um, and then at the same time, obviously, you had a technology itself that had, uh, had proven itself out in those early days as being um, fundamentally sound and performant um, based on the requirements that we were trying to address in the market space. All of those things aligned gave us the um, elements that we thought were necessary to go to the market and to get a fair valuation for what we thought would be uh, Data Sentinel's um, current state um, at that particular point in time. No, that's great. And it's good you were able to get the company to that stage um, and then look for funding because it, it avoids um, some disagreements on valuation where you're investing or the investors are looking at it and, and looking at the risk of, of not proving and not achieving and you eliminate or reduce essentially that risk too as well. So I think from a, a raise perspective, I, I think that makes perfect sense. Yeah. I, yes. And it seemed to resonate with the, the folks that we met with and, of course, that was a journey, as you might imagine. Uh, we met with uh, a number of different uh, VCs um, and uh, equity-oriented type companies over a series of months. We got a lot of advice um, from companies that would be later stage that we, we purposely went out of our way to, to build relationships with because we, we not only saw them to be um, organizations that we may want to work with in the future once we get to series A, B, and C as we evolve as an organization, but we really valued um, the advice and direction that they could provide us as we were entering that seed round. So we, we tried to um, look at the market space from a, from a fairly intelligent perspective and learn as much as we could around what the, the VC community was looking for around the kinds of things that we wanted to do. But, it, but it, again, it was one of these situations where not every partnership like that is going to um, be the right one. And, and the, the VC community itself, I think, has a series of buckets that they would fit into or, and they would try to fit us into. Um, and in many cases, we wouldn't fit that particular bucket. It's not how we wanted to, to drive the business forward or we had a different methodology that we wanted to apply or we wanted to go to a different market space than what that particular VC was interested in pursuing. Um, so it's finding that sweet spot and that true partnership that makes sense where everyone sees the vision, everyone understands the road that we're going to travel down and how we want to get to that end state and buys in on that. So a true sense of partnership where expectations are aligned. So that was not the easiest thing to find. Um, finding a lot of money out there in the market space is I think a, a, a reality. I think that money is available, but finding money that's of high value and that is aligned with your vision and aligned uh, with expectations is challenging. Um, but we got there.
Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I routinely tell people is, is look for strategic money, but make sure the investor is strategic as well, because if there's synergies, it can accelerate and grow your business. They, they can open doors. They can ensure that um, you're moving in the right direction and give you strategic advice. But the issue becomes is if there's not that fit, it, it becomes in some ways more of a challenge if everyone isn't working towards the, uh, the, same, uh, the same beat. The reality is gonna be is you're gonna have disagreements along the way and those disagreements can be healthy because it can allow you to change and, and look at a different um, approach to, a, to an issue. And I think there's value in that, but at least having the same overarching strategy, I, I couldn't agree more, it's critical. Um, and I think those words are, are well taken, Mark. Um, I think we'll, we'll shift gears a bit now to um, customer acquisition. I think this is a really key point for, uh, for emerging companies is, is how do they get customer one um, and then beyond. So uh, I'd like to maybe have a, a little conversation with you about how uh, has your customer acquisition strategy changed since customer one to now? That's a, a great question. And yes, of course it has. And we do expect that it will continue to evolve and change as the, the business does and as the marketplace does. Um, what's also kind of interesting is that our industry, we view it as being somewhat new. Um, so when you think about data privacy, regulatory compliance, that's not something that rolls off the tongue for a lot of senior leaders in, in enterprises throughout North America. And some people might look at you with a little bit of a cockeyed view and wonder what the heck it is you're talking about. <laughs> um, especially when you start to talk about technology that automates that kind of compliance. Um, so there's a certain amount of education that has to happen, uh, had to happen in, in our early days of acquiring those first clients, as well as obviously continues to happen as we gain access to a broader set of the market space. Um, that's assisted by um, news headlines. When you, you read about news headlines from a breach perspective, or you, you, know, you hear about um, bad things happening and, and sensitive data leaks occurring within various different companies around the world, that certainly has helped. Um, from a perspective of the business, I mean, it's really bad that these things are occurring, but it's helped us educate the market space to the value that we're bringing through our technology. But acquiring those first customers is extremely challenging. Um, we're very fortunate in that we have a lot of experience within our team in the uh, market space that, that we're selling into. So we have a lot of contacts and we were able to build a partner ecosystem from the very early days of the concept of Data Sentinel to the, the point where we were delivering version one of the product. And that, that core partner ecosystem has been with us um, since those very early days. And they were the original go-to-market uh, channel um, and continue to be so today. So we have a, a partner-led approach to a large segment of the marketplace. And we continue to expand that partner ecosystem where it makes sense geographically and within specific market verticals. Um, and we see it as a very strategic part of how we get to market. Um, the types of partners that we work with um, is fairly broad. It's, it's from law firms, um, accountancies, advisory companies, through to uh, what we consider to be kind of mid-tier IT consultancies and down to boutiques that really specialize in the data world and in, in the space that we're in. 
Um, and that's proven to be highly valuable for us. And they helped us get those first series of customers on board. What's really critical about it, in my opinion, is that those consultancies or those partners brought the original trust that was necessary for a customer to believe that our technology could be something that would work within their environment. So it's an extension of that trust factor. They trust us, therefore they're, um, the customer trusts them, that kind of uh, a partnership ecosystem. So incredibly important. Now we're entering into what I consider to be the next phase of the evolution uh, of our go-to-market. And with the, the, the most recent seed round that we've raised, we're starting to build out a business development team um, headquartered here in Toronto. So basically an inside sales function that is responsible for generating leads. And those leads would filter to the partner ecosystem. And in some cases we would handle those directly depending on uh, the type of company and, and how they would fit within our partner ecosystem or not. And that's proving out to be, although extremely young, uh, we've only been doing it now for almost two months. It's proving to be extremely successful. Uh, knock on wood so far. So with that two pronged approach, um, we're driving uh, market demand. And now the, the next phase of this, if we enter into kind of phase 2B uh, is where we are um, creating demand uh, and trying to build channels, uh, digital channels that will help drive opportunity through SEO, et cetera, et cetera. So making investment in that space as well. Um, where that'll take us in the future is TBD, but that's what we currently are doing today. That's interesting, Mark. No, thank you. It's, uh, it's interesting because there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of value in getting those channel or strategic partners in the early stages because um, you, you're selling to one company and if they buy into um, the benefits and, and uh, the ability of the, the product and the success and the, the value it provides their customers, you can essentially leverage their reputation in the industry to secure those customers. So I think that's an invaluable way of, of starting out. Um, and then shifting to more of a inbound approach tends to, as you build your own reputation, tends to provide a, a second or, or in your case, third channel of, of, um, of revenue streams and ability. So I think all of that makes perfect sense. Yeah, that's the objective at this particular point in time. Um, we are expanding our, our uh, BDR team as we speak as well, just based on that foundational success that we've seen. Um, and again, this is part of the value that our partnership with uh, Delbridge Capital Partners has brought to the table. Um, they've got experience with other software technology companies where they've built this kind of inside sales capability. And it's really a machine. It's a factory. It's got uh, metrics that you, you put in the front end of it and you have X outcomes that are produced at the back end of it. And it is proving to be predictable and reliable um, in our early days, clearly. We've got, we've got time to get through before we can actually put the stake in the sand and say, this is what our metric will look like, but it's getting there. No, that's great, that's great. So I think uh, I, we'll wrap up the uh, conversation. I have, I have one final question for you, which I think is always the more uh, open-ended one, but the, uh, the answers tend to be fantastic. So what do you see as the, uh, the biggest challenges that your industry faces? And, uh, and how, do you, how do you see the ways of, of overcoming these? 
Thank you. Yeah, that's a great one. Um, Evolution of what the marketplace is from our perspective is is ongoing. Um, The laws are changing. The regulations are changing. Uh, In particular, here in Canada, we are we're anticipating Bill C-11 and the CPPA at some point in our future or not. We don't know. But we are seeing that uh, organizations are beginning to prepare for those kinds of changes. At the same time, we've got education that needs to happen, which of course slows down sales cycles and and draws out processes within client organizations as they try to grapple with those changes and understand what's going on in the market space and what their options are. so it's, it's extremely immature today. And I think that's probably the greatest complication that we face as an organization. What we do see though, is a fairly bright future um, as the idea of, uh, of consumers owning their data in basic terms and the idea of building out data trust platforms, both from a consumer perspective and from a, the perspective of, a, of a, an organization or a corporation. I think is becoming a reality. Um, There's a lot of movement in that direction. So I think we are in a sweet spot to be able to take advantage of the opportunity that's being presented by these changes. But again, it's changing constantly. So we have to be nimble and we have to be able to keep up with what's going on in the market space. And that is extremely challenging to do. No, that's great, Mark. Yeah, I agree. It's a, it's a patchwork here in Canada um, that's constantly evolving. And, and when you look at the global scene, it becomes an even more of a, of a challenge to, uh, to keep up and uh, ensure that there's, um, there's compliance across the board. Um, no, thanks again, Mark. Really appreciate your time today. And uh, it's been a, a great conversation and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, so thanks for your time. Um, for the listeners here today, Um, please do visit the CRTA's website for upcoming podcasts and news on upcoming events. Uh, There's some great webinars uh, uh, coming up on on subjects such as privacy. So uh, uh, please do connect. And Myron, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity to have a chat. Great. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.